Hi everyone, this is Dave Wright and welcome to the Player Development Project podcast. I hope you're having a great week working with your players wherever you're tuning in. A little bit of a content update. This week on the PDP website we have published a fantastic blog from coach developer and co-founder of My Fastest Mile, Mark Upton. And this is a short form article on leadership with some great tips, particularly around empathy and listening. So I highly recommend you check that one out because Mark is one of the most innovative thinkers in coaching and coach development that I've been lucky enough to meet. We also hope to be collaborating with Mark again in the near future, so watch this space. Coming soon, we'll have another one of our live video sessions for our members, so that'll be available on the site in the next week or so. And we've also had some great feedback around our recent Q&A on helping an unhappy player and some of the social challenges of sport. So plenty of great new content to check out over on the website. Finally, a reminder about our new PDP Mentors program. Former New Zealand women's coach Tony Reddings was our most recent addition to the program alongside myself and Dan Wright, and we'll be announcing some more new mentors soon. Personally, I'm already really enjoying the mentoring program. I've provided some support to a coach who works with a men's under 35 team recently around their sort of team philosophy and their preseason plans. And last week was uh, on some calls with three coaches at a school in Western Australia around some of the challenges they're facing, some of the great stuff they're doing in their program. And those conversations really have been brilliant. So if you're looking for support, a sounding board or someone to share ideas with and bounce things off, then head to playerdevelopmentproject.com, click on the green banner at the top of the page and find out more there about the new PDP Mentors Program. We've got a range of options for coaches on the site there. With that said, this week's podcast is an excerpt from our masterclass discussion with Danny Robinson. Danny is the Academy Manager at Burton Albion Football Club in the UK. Now, Danny spent time working with the New Zealand women's team as a goalkeeper coach and assistant coach before returning to Burton Albion a couple of years ago. Since then, he's been immersed in leading their academy program based at St George's Park, and he talks to us about some of the big challenges he faced in the role, leadership, and what Burton Albion look for and how they develop their players. I hope you enjoy the conversation, and as always, you can head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com to access the full discussion and sign up to see all of our coaching content. Hi everyone, welcome to another Player Development Project Masterclass discussion. I'm thrilled to be joined by Academy Manager at Burton Albion Football Club, Dan Robinson. Dan, how are you? I'm very well, Dave. Good self? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, Really pleased to have you on this call and looking forward to hearing a bit more about your journey and of course some of the exciting developments at Burton Albion since you've been up there uh, in your role as Academy Manager. And and for those who are watching at the time of filming, it's a pretty exciting time around the club as well, I can imagine, given your run to the uh, the Cup semi-finals. It's, uh, yeah, it's huge. It's huge for the club. Um, unbelievable achievement. I, I looked at the uh, the draw last night and you look at the names and then Burton at the time. <laughs> phenomenal, phenomenal achievement for the club. Um, yes, it's great. It's great. And it will be, it'll do really good things for the community as well. It's fantastic. Brilliant. Well, it's so nice to see sort of one of those fairy tale cup runs unfolding. So all the best against Man City in the upcoming fixture. Um, but to... <laughs> You say that day sounds sounds crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit surreal, isn't it? It's a little bit surreal. But uh, what we'll do is we'll delve into a little bit of your background just to kick things off. So, Dan, you've had a pretty interesting journey and, and I've ended up back at Burton Albion where I know you've got some history there. But can you give us a little bit of a background into your journey from player to coach and how that kind of unfolded for you? 
Yeah, well, well basically, I, I was at uh, Derby County originally as a schoolboy, and I got let go and ended up um, getting getting a, a, an opportunity as a scholar at Blackpool. And off the back of that, again, getting let go again, um, after two years there, I ended up at Burton. And at the time, Burton were in the Unibon Premier League, and um, just, just a, a, a small non-league club, but... Um, they had a fantastic manager at the time in Nigel Clough, um, who's obviously there as the gaffer now. And really what happened was I had four or five years there in the early 2000s and um, did, uh, did did OK. I didn't really have much game time in the first team. I was a young goalkeeper, so I wasn't I was more of a supporting. I had more of a supporting role. And um, as circumstances uh, lent it, it lent them uh, to, to it. I ended up getting a, an opportunity in New Zealand, and um, it was very, very strange because I, I thought I was going over there, and it was going to be all sombreros and you know flip flops, nice. And then I get off the plane, it's freezing cold, and I was like, wow, what, what am I doing here? But <laughs> after after a, a very short period, I fell in love with the place, and and. Um, the joke, the joke is, while I was at Burton, I had to go to the other side of the world to get a game, <laughs> and I ended, I ended up playing uh, for for a couple of really good clubs over there. Um, played for Waitakere United, yeah. um, ended up in 2008, went to World Club Championships, um, played for Gisborne City, a uh, couple of couple of decent um, amateur clubs, uh, but playing in a good level, Champions mm. League, Oceania Champions League, and different different experiences that I had when I was playing over here. And really, from, from there, as it is in New Zealand, and, and you know, Dave, um, obviously a lot bigger in Australia, but the opportunities come to you for, for things you didn't think they would. Mm. Um, you thought, uh, you know, you'd be coaching on an international stage. So I ended up getting a role with the national women's under 20s team in mm -hmm. 2010 the goalie coach and um really from there it just uh yeah it snowboard i ended up from there coaching with the the full national team when john herdman went to uh, canada as the uh, national women's coach there um i stepped up for the um, for the for the full national team mm. in 2012 um at the olympics uh, which was unbelievable and then off the back of the quarter-final place with with that, I uh, I got the role as an assistant manager there with the national women's team. Um, playing started to take a bit of a backward step, and I ended up um, yeah having four wonderful years with the national women's mm. team in New Zealand. Went to the World Cup in Canada and then uh, the Olympics in 2016. And then really what happened off the back of that was my contract was expiring with the national team in new zealand and i'd always had really good contacts with uh so really good contact with nigel mm. here at, at burton and and the um the role of academy manager came up and i applied for it i was over in the country actually on a course mm -hmm. um and uh, i got the role and in look it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a crazy surreal scenario just even talking about it you go from you know, small non-league. Uh, we were in the conference when I left Burton, but then goes to the other side of the world. You're playing Champions League games over there in places like Vanuatu, <laughs> I've never heard of, in the Pacific Islands, and then you're coaching um, at Olympics and World Cups. Very, very strange. Yeah. But, but yeah, as as a lot of people's careers are, they just take funny, funny changes of direction. And um, I've been very fortunate. Very, very fortunate. 
Yeah, it's a really interesting journey. And obviously, you, you know, you've obviously had your formative years uh, in terms of coaching in New Zealand. And to see a lad from the Midlands make it all the way to the other side of the world and then come home is, is a crazy, crazy journey. So really interesting. Now, you mentioned that you began uh, coaching in New Zealand. For those that don't know the New Zealand landscape, the clubs that you mentioned are sort of iconic clubs that have been around the National League a long time. You were involved with as a player with people like Kevin Fallon and as a coach alongside Tony Reddings, who have both had success in the New Zealand coaching setup. Can you elaborate on some detail around some of those environments that you worked in or, or mentors you had um, and some of the lessons that you learned, I guess, early on in those formative coaching years? Well, I suppose it was Tony, actually, that, that um, was my first uh, manager that I worked for as a coach with the uh, Monday 20s uh, national women's team and I've got a lot of uh, respect and time for Tony he, he's not dissimilar in age to myself but a, a real um, educated football educated mind he was, mm. he was so uh, into anything innovative um, had unbelievable support from high performance sport New Zealand and obviously tapping into different sports and different people are doing different fields and and he he for me was um, in that first few stages of my coaching was massive because I hadn't really got the grasp to grasp of of the level of detail that you have to go into to coach at that level. So he he was great. I mean, working under a technical director like Rob Sherman, I know he's at Melbourne now, and uh, again somebody that you, you just you're just listening, hanging off every word when it comes to the planning processes and things that. When when I made the transition from player to coach, you just think, wow, this this is just unbelievable. The level of detail, like, you know, you think as a player that you just rock up and the because uh, you, you do and you you train and then you play and you think that that's the same with coaches. But mm. those those two guys for me in New Zealand were huge. Um, Kevin Fallon, he, he, he very much is um, somebody who, obviously being not from too far away from where I'm from. Um, very similar in in mindset. Um, old school, obviously bandied around a bit as a as a statement, but it's uh, it, it's it's actually a positive thing. He 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 was very much around the principles and the um, the kind of uh, the character of the players was huge to him, which is mm. a massive part of what we do now at Burton. So he, from him, it was more around um, not so much tactical and technical that I learned. I learned a lot, but very, very much around the 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 person as as much as the mm. player. And um, yeah, so, so those three guys in New Zealand were huge. Um, obviously, before I went, um, my my old man was actually a, a, a linesman um, in the Premier League in the early nineties, um, and uh, I used to travel around games with him. Um, I, I don't hold it against him that he was a linesman, but he. <laughs> he, he, he he used to take me. He used to take me with him, and um, when I was a kid. And uh, to be fair, I, I, I don't recall all the abuse that I'm sure he did get. Um, but you get in as being a fish. Yeah. He, 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 those experiences in those early days, being in and around, um, I, I guess in and around dressing rooms to a degree, you do start to pick up stuff as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, and, and and then obviously whilst I was here working under Nigel Clough for four years. Yeah, hands down the most influential person on me, player and coach wise. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable, um, unbelievable guy who's got you know so so much experience. Uh, mm. 
and you just see see what he's done in the game and you just think, well, crikey, if you can't take anything from him, then who can you take it from, you know? Yeah, certainly. Very interesting. And, and those mentors are obviously so important to all of us along the way. You mentioned earlier that you've attended a couple of World Cups with the, the national women's team for New Zealand. You also went to the Olympics. You know, huge events, global events, really... Um, you know, experiences that stretch coaches. You're now back in the development phase where you're sort of working to get players either into a career in the game, into the first team or onto other clubs. Those sort of pinnacle events, was there anything in terms of the planning around the detail that you've touched on and, and the fact that these were performance tournaments, there, there were outcomes that were sort of targets to be achieved? And can you give us some insight into some of the planning that went into some of those campaigns? Yeah, the I, I guess the the correlation between the two is interesting because I when I when I took this role again, good point, Dave. From performance to development, and I I'd worked in development on a part time basis previously. I'd, I'd coached um, in Waikato, and when I was when I first moved to New Zealand, I was coaching. Um, with Gisborne City as well, uh, with a young academy there. Um, so I, I had had that, uh, I guess, that little bit of experience in, in the development world. But then being thrust into performance um, like, like, uh, like I was, you, you do see there's, there's some, some very similarities, some big similarities. So one of the big things that, that Tony did was he identified early the importance of the individuals within the national team mm -hmm. and having them having a specific plan on what they needed to, one, be better at, and two, the strengths that they needed to make, be stronger. So those those learnings that I took, uh, I, I basically took them from, mm. from working with the women's team. And when, when I started in this role in development, the importance of actually the individuals and what they're working on to improve their game is huge. And yeah, like I say, that, that was working in a performance base, but it did cross over quite yeah. um, nicely. And the, the, the returns that we got in New Zealand with the facilities that we had um, and the technology that we had, we had an unbelievable analyst, um, were, were fantastic to mm. see the change players. And, I've I've tried my best to really kind of as much as I can at small the small club but big club that we are here at Burton um, is emulate some of those those learning. So I suppose a long-winded answer to your, your question is is a lot of that individual-based um, preparation and planning and learning mm. um, from the performance world put into put into this space that I'm in now in, in trying to get players in the first team. Uh, Absolutely, so. yeah. I think, and that comes, you know, it seems to be a common thread with a lot of the best practitioners that we speak to and a lot of the best academies that this idea of individual development, whilst it's not a new thing, it's becoming so much more important and so much more valued in terms of the player development process. So clearly some key lessons. And, uh, you know, just sort of going back again to comparing your time a little bit, you've obviously coached in elite women's football at the highest level, um, been to these tournaments, and now you're coaching in boys and men's football between that sort of nines to 23s age group. Do you think there are key differences in dealing with women and men in football, working with them, some attributes that maybe each gender has, or is it is it more of a blanket approach for you and just dealing with the individuals? 
it's a, it's a question that I, I get asked quite a bit. And to be perfectly honest with you, I think that working with women was a real challenge initially for me. I come from a family of boys um, and uh, going into an environment where you're you're having to you're challenged all the time. The, the girls are unbelievable at wanting to know more than the detail space. So mm. they want to know they want to know the why. They want to know what what you're planning a session. You deliver a session, and you're midway through a session. You've got all the detail, but then they'll come out with a question: Oh, why are we doing this? Or what's the rationale for this? Or this doesn't really relate to me. But what? Why? Why is it? In, and it really was a, a great, I guess, a learning for me to be challenged constantly. Mm. Um, I find more in the men's game that they want to be led and, and driven, um, mm -hmm. and the, the the questioning is 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 less. Mm -hmm. um, it's not to say that that they don't challenge you, but they uh, the the in the men's game or, or in, in boys' development, um, I find they're more. Yeah, they're, they're more wanting to us to lead as coaches, whereas mm. in the women's game, they're, they're, they're really um, interested in the yeah. detail but what you're doing. And of course, if you if you cross between the two, especially for myself, not having that experience prior working with women, it's it's a uh, yeah, it really does test you, and it means everything you do, you've got to have a reason and mm. a rationale. It's certainly got to uh, got to help your own development as a coach along the way for sure, and uh, and it aligns with some of the things that Tony and other women's coaches I've spoken to have certainly said before. Now you've obviously you know we've touched on the fact that a couple of years ago this opportunity at Burton Albion came up to return to a club you played at to take this role and to really change uh, the direction that your your coaching was going from sort of international football back into clubland. Um, what are some of the early challenges you faced and, and can you paint a little bit of a picture for those that may not be familiar with the EPPP and the category system and what are some of the challenges that a club in the, in the Midlands sort of uh, in that you know very dense club land where there's so many big traditional clubs around, what are some of the challenges and obstacles you faced early on and you've really been working on for the last couple of years? Well, when I started I, I'd been a, um, as I mentioned briefly before, I'd been a, a scholar previously at Blackpool, but that was in way before um, the elite player performance plan with Triple P came in. And um, prior to that, I'd been at Derby as a schoolboy. So I'd been in the system, um, but that was all my experience I had. And coming in and taking the role, the depth of... Um, Detail is too loose a word, but the depth of of information and um, responsibility of academies now is is huge. And you know, EPPP, I, I think, is a fantastic uh, step in the right direction. It's got mm. its issues and it's got its its areas for improvement. But the whole um, the whole process and and having a real um, plan in, a, a real detailed plan in place that isn't isn't like this is the way you should coach players mm -hmm. every club is different but what it does is it gives you some guidelines as to some best practice and how you can really um, get the best out of working in your category status so mm -hmm. we're category three we we don't have the, the 
facilities, although we train at St. George's Park, which is unbelievable, we mm. don't have the day-to-day facilities um, that a Cat 2 or Cat 1 would have. Um, we don't have the staffing numbers. Um, so we have to work really uh, efficiently with, with everything we do. Um, we have 10 full-time staff now and about, I think it's we're including um, scouts with about 52 staff mm-hmm. with part of So it is like a mini little business. And making sure that you are abiding by the the rules and regulations of not only UPPP but the English Football League, the Premier League, the FA, um, it, it has been a huge, huge learning curve for me. Mm, mm. Um, great thing on hindsight was when I first started, there was um, we, we were just about going into an audit, um, and much like Ofsted here in England for for schools. Mm-hmm. They don't everything, and what it what it gave me was almost like a a, a, a script on how you run an academy, mm. and we went through it like with a fine tooth comb, um, and and developed the performance plan that um, we've developed now as a group of staff, and basically that whole audit process in year one for me was uh, a kind of a, a, a real. It was a tough time, but it was a it was a guide to go right. This is this is how you run an academy at this mm. level. Um, and my, uh, it was so it was really really tough. It really was. But looking back now, I mean, the, my third year, I think, well, if I hadn't gone through that, yeah, we wouldn't be doing what we were doing now, and we wouldn't have had we wouldn't have the processes in place because you know you only know what you know, and, and at mm. that point, I didn't know. <laughs> that certainly is swimming in the deep end. I, I remember going through an audit at my time uh, at Fulham where, you know, you've got staff working overtime for six months. You've got, there, there's a sort of air about the place. Everybody's on their toes and questioning everything. So what, what a great way to start in terms of being able to lay the foundations and understand, as you say, understand the business inside out. So on the back of that process, and you talk about some of these systems uh, and structures that are in place now. Can you talk to us a little bit about the player development philosophy at the club and and the way you approach player development uh, as a club? Well, I, I guess back to your original one of your original questions around um, mentors and and what did you know, did I take from people I've worked with? Um, the importance of the character of, of of a player and them as a person. Uh, not just the footballing, not just the technical tactical, very much the the other side of them as a person and 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 where they where their um, drive comes from, what their motives are for being involved. They they are fundamental, um, I guess, fundamental steps or or um, what, what, what how I'm trying to think of the best way of phrasing it. Um, pillars for mm. for us as a so and that comes from the manager the manager obviously a lot I, I assume I never worked obviously under his under his, his father but I'm guessing a lot of that did come from um, Brian Clough and it, it is around the character so so we we take a little bit of an approach in in our player development around um, looking at uh, the the person um, mm-hmm. we have a we have an acronym of BAFC, so do the basics well. Um, the the A is athleticism, mm-hmm. not not size, but but what do you offer? Um, if you're a small and agile player, do you get around the park well? Um, mm-hmm. 
if you're tall, uh, uh, are you aggressive? Um, fearless uh, for the F, uh, based on bravery in and out of possession. The manager is huge on players playing forward. Um, he doesn't want players to to uh, have their first look sideways or backwards. He mm. wants them to be purposeful and look to, to be direct. Not directors in long ball, mm. but look to, to play uh, with, with a purpose to go forward first. Yeah. Um, and the last one is, as, as I've touched on hugely, is character. Yeah. So so when, when we're looking at recruitment, we go through that BAFC approach. Um, when, we're, when we're talking um, to parents and we're doing reviews, we, we look at the, those four uh, pillars, um, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and from a technical point of view, the basics, it, it's an overused phrase now, but the importance of being able to pass, yep. um, move, talk, uh, receive well with both feet, shift the ball, um, punch passes, yep. um, strike the ball off both feet. I mean, we, we, we've got boys at the moment in the academy that we're having to really strip back their, their and these are boys at the, the top end, mm. strip back work on and, and really hammer home some of that detail because when they've gone in with the first team and they're doing a passing practice for example the passes aren't slit and the mm. ball the in boys the boy the ball moves so quick um, yeah. if they keep up with that and they're bobbling balls in and you know obviously they, they get a lot of sticks so uh, <laughs> it back. and yeah I, I think i think from from a club perspective there's no we're not we're not in a in a space where we're trying to develop the next Lionel Messi. We're not mm. looking at it, and we're in amongst some big fish in the middle of yeah. here. So we we genuinely look for players, as I say, who've got those BAFC um, characteristics, and mm. and really then we work with them on that basis. Thanks for joining us on the Player Development Project podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PlayerDP or find us on Facebook. Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching.